Today's chat is brought to you by, well, all of your support. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through Podbean's crowdfunding, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a patron of the FFC, please be sure to visit our website and click on the support link. Even a single dollar helps. And for those of you who are already patrons, thank you again for your generosity. You may have heard the whispers of guardians gathering in the shadows, exploring the mysteries of this world and the worlds which surround us. We are all in search of truth. Sometimes we need to focus that search. Focus that fire! And so we come together! Welcome to Focused Fire Chat! Welcome to Focus Fire Chat, reported live on February 21st, 2020, over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. As always, want to give a big shout out to our live chat here with us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us once again. This week's episodes are going to be focused around exploring the last days of Kraken Mare, Mar, I don't, I'm just going to get in trouble for whichever way I pronounce that. Uh, This particular episode will serve as what we have come to call the intro session of the week's exploration. Before we go any further, however, let's run through a quick introduction of who we have with us on the show. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86 and this is the jackalope and moose wrangler, which now it's just a moose wrangler, green-eyed music lover. That we have. I don't. It's the show. It's the show <laughs> notes. The show notes. We had a jackalope and a moose oh, anonymous. I, I'm like, show where? Notes. Yeah, even Chad's and like, then, what? <laughs> and then, and because okay, so when somebody looks at our show notes that's not signed into Google. <laughs> They that don't makes have a name, now. so Google gives them a funny little animal name. And you mentioned at the beginning of the recording that there is a jackalope and a moose in it. And the Chad like, is so two confused people there? right now. And it's just like, okay, it's literally the fact that Worthy D, who is our guest this evening, had two different instances open. Tabs. Oh, yeah, that's funny. he had two different instances. instances I was like, what? Is going on? But he fixed it. There's he only fixed one. It. There's only one left. There's only a moose left. Pins help. I'm so confused. <laughs> oh man. Well, last but definitely not least, in the hot seat as guest co-host and apparently filling the role of Jackalope and Moose. Oh, he's Moose. You're the Moose now. Uh, we he's have our moose. good friend Worthy D. <laughs> Worthy, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys? We're enjoying I'm doing, it. Doing it's, great, it's apparently. A good, it's a good night. <laughs> Pins is explaining what a jackalope is. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, usual introductory question next for you, Worthy. Uh, where can we find you out on the internet? So, you can find me on Twitter, at WorthyD, or you can find me in the Discord server, also at WorthyD. Nice. Okay, Worthy. You... Blue and I got to meet at Guardian Con. Not, I mean, we saw each other again last year, but I think we met once before that. At, was it the year prior? No, no. The first time we we got to meet was um, actually at Guardian Con. I've been pretty active in chat around the previous one, so yeah. Oh, okay. I gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. It just seems like <laughs> we had met you beforehand. They start blending but... together. Yeah, they, they do. do. It really, it really does start to blend together. So, 
what is your favorite lore story from Destiny? So my favorite one is actually the one that that got me really interested in uh, into Destiny. And it's the the story of uh, Cage Six on the Moon, where he encounters the uh, the fallen captain, um, and they battle the hive together. So, yes, that one's fun. Yeah. That one I kind of miss those kind of stories, though. I guess we have that again with Mythrax. Mm-hmm. A little bit, a little bit. Yep. Is that so granted? It's not into? nearly as entertaining. No, yeah, definitely because not. Cade embellishes everything. I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, what got you into lore exploration? Was it that story in particular? No. Or? So I've always had. I've always been interested in kind of the the behind the scenes on the games. Uh, I used to always read um, instruction manuals and stuff like that. Um, but I didn't get big into lore exploration until um, they announced Halo Reach, and I decided to read the Fall of Reach novel, um, and that nice. opened me up to the world of, of Halo and all the, the, the backstories of all the characters and stuff, and having uh, being exposed to what happens to the planet Reach. Like I went into that game with a completely different mindset than I had any other game before, and so I just started consuming as much as I could from that point on. Nice. Yeah. Halo, I read, I actually read the Halo books way before I ever played any of the Destiny game. Mm -hmm. The Destiny game. Way before I played Destiny, I read, shh, you know, Blue, I've had a long week. It's been very interesting. Nope, continue, continue. Anyway. um, Yeah, that's a, that's a really good one. I think... If I were to, like, reach back into the past and say, like, what my first exposure to lore for a video game series would be also kind of that Halo as well. Super, super interesting. All right, so last of the standard questions, what class do you primarily play? All right, so I'm going to give you the full gambit because I think it's important. Um, So I I play an XO. Primarily hunter, always a night stalker, and when it mattered, I, I pledged a future war cult. So, yeah, <laughs> I knew that's where future I would get shunned cult. off. You were the going podcast. so great, yeah, and then... until yeah. until I just took the dive. So, <laughs> you know, I I still wish they would bring I I want the 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 clash the clash of the uh, the factions again. Yeah, there's a lot of good potential there. Back. The Clash of Clans. Wait, no, wait, that's a different game. No, no, that's a different game. Um, but I, I miss, I miss kind of the being able to tease everybody of which faction you're a part of and which one you're not, and still to this day, it's. And this is, I don't know if I've told this story on the show. Everyone on the show pretty much knows that I'm New Monarchy, but I don't know if anybody realizes why I'm New Monarchy. It is literally because Justin was Future War Cult and Blue was Dead Orbit. There was no real reasoning behind me picking it. It was literally, it was the last one because they had picked opposites. And I was like, and Justin I'm not was, kind of... Justin was an adamant Future War Cult. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was all about that. All about that Rainbow Death Squad. <laughs> yep. Yes. Yep. That was exactly, yep. <laughs> Rainbow Death Squad. Rainbow Death Squad. Yeah gosh we got to get him on here again yeah. to talk about factions at some point oh god or is what was the one that you mentioned on the, Ch- the chinese dragon, dragon theory? theory oh my god <sighs> we need to get him on the spin foil chat with taylor uh, b uh, but uh 
gosh, yeah. So, okay, where the with with everything that's going on online right now, my question is actually going to be kind of a segue slightly into the topic. It's more of a with the cutscene this week. Who are you, Team Osiris or Team Rasputin? Oh, jeez. Um. Uh. That's that's a real tough one. Uh, I, gut wise, I want to say Osiris, um, okay. but usually in these situations, I want to just sit by the side and uh, wait to see who fights it out and who wins and join their side. <laughs> just get the popcorn. Yep. Just watch. Yep. Oh gosh, yeah. I don't know, Blue. What about you? Are you? I I I'm, could guess. Which I missed side the part where we were on? picking sides. I thought I was just watching an old guy yell at a computer. <laughs> Um, I mean, the internet blew up with the, I'm on Rasputin's side, I'm on Osiris' oh, side, so I figured I'd just kind of... That's probably why I I'm, missed it, because mm-hmm, it was like... Mm-hmm. Um, it's a Twitter thing. I mean, like, I'm kind of with Worthy on this one. Like, I, I think I, I think that currently, and this is kind of always my default response to a lot of these situations, is we don't really know what they're arguing about. Um, and so until we get a bit more information it's really hard to be like oh well osiris has prettier armor so we're going with him it's like that i mean i i don't know like it's not like both both of them have flaws in their past you know absolutely and and so they're not really it's not like you know we're talking about i mean there's not really a press like a really shiny person in destiny lore but it's not like you know someone who has a a pretty good track record of not it's not stabbing people in the yeah. back but not making mistakes both of them are kind of like i don't know it feels like it's a polit- political situation where it's like which one do i hate less um yeah the other thing is is that we are i don't know and we're gonna i'm sure we're gonna talk about it tonight because in the cutscene, spoiler alert if you haven't logged in for over a week and a half at this point um the the cutscene is Sorry. Osiris walks into rescue what Osiris and Rasputin. That is absolutely true. Oh my gosh. Screwball, you are amazing. Grumpier old men. Oh man. Destiny edition. Sorry. Sorry. No, you're good. You're good. No, I was just gonna say that uh as far as the cutscene is Osiris has left Mercury. He's on Mars. He goes in and basically confronts Rasputin and calls him a murderer, calls him a whole list of names, and basically tries to force him to answer what side are you on? Are you on the light side of the light? Are you on the side of the other? And I can't remember if he uses the term. Yeah, he says says that the system is divided between the side mm-hmm. of the light and the side of darkness. And see, the thing is, is like, like I respect, I, I, I see where Osiris is coming from, but in the mm-hmm. flip side, I can also see Rasputin being like, neither. He's on the side of oh, humanity. Yeah. Right. And, but that's, and it's like, that's the perfect. Right. Like right. We, this is okay. I'm going to toot my own horn a little bit. I was telling worthy this at the beginning of the, at the, 
of us being in chat together is that I purposefully waited to do these two books this week and next week until the end of the season because I want because there's no reason for these books to be in the lore yet. There's nothing tying to it. Like, why are we on Titan? Why why did we get a book this last season? About well, Titan? I have my own theory, and it really doesn't right. have much to do with Rasputin. Right, but this I think this book helps explain the cutscene that yes. we got this week, and that's and that's immensely. kind of I I will agree um, uh, uh, I will agree with that because like you know you you kind of made fun of me for the notes that I've taken I I've kind of dived into this book and next week's book is Revelation, um, I think it it I think both of these do a good number and not just pre- presenting another side of Rasputin but also there's a much larger game going on here uh, Mm -hmm. that it's not just light versus dark it's never been light for it's never just been light versus dark there's something more that is going on and we're starting to kind of see the corner of the veil kind of get get picked up a little bit um and we'll get we'll definitely get into that, especially in the advanced episode. I think because uh, it's it's something that to me is the more and more I've read this, and I've read these books like I've read this book so many times now, um, and I just I I feel like I find something new every single time I go back through it. Um, so big sh- just early big shout out to Seth uh, Dickinson on on this book, especially just amazing job on this one. Sent me down a rabbit hole. Again, I told I tweeted at him earlier. I was like, "Well, good job, you you did it again." Um, you know, there's there's so much buried in in this book and in Revelation um, that just it really gives a lot of flavor to our understanding of the Golden Age um, and what was going on. Uh, not just how long it was going on, but also what was going on. Uh, and and it also gives you know really good flavor to the people who were in the golden age because this that's predominantly what these two books are going to be talking about is these are events that are taking place not in current day destiny these these are books oh, that gosh, no. these are books these that are, are taking old. well well before well Krakenmare is in the chronological standpoint Krakenmare is right at the start of the collapse end of golden age. Yes. Um, yep. Revelation is a little bit earlier, uh, which we'll probably get into next week because I know a lot of people keep saying that Revelation is the collapse, and it it, it isn't. Um, and I, I can get into that a little bit later too. Sweet. Well, do we have any housekeeping notes to jump into before yeah, we start well, into yeah, the we, basics of what you need to know for this book? Yeah, as always, you know, we just have a couple standard housekeeping notes, so we'll just get those out of the way real quick, and then we'll jump right into it. Last episode, we discussed the themes of vampirism within Destiny with Raz and Wicked. If you're enjoying the show, please be sure to let us know by giving us a shout over on Twitter, leaving a comment on Podbean, or sending us a quick email at focusfirechat at gmail.com. Reviews or comments on where we can improve are always welcome. They let us know what we can do better to create a more enjoyable experience for everyone. To all who have already sent feedback or left us a review, thank you once again. As many of you are aware, Focus Fire Chat is a community in which we offer the chance to dive into lore from within various titles and mediums with a special focus on the Destiny universe. Every Friday at about 10 p.m. Central, the podcast team gets together to stream a summary of the chosen topic for that week. 
The hope for this is to help encourage dives into aspects of game lore within both our Discord server and within the other communities we share the digital world with. If you're a fan of lore in all its various forms, be sure to also check out thelorenetwork.com, a central hub for content that covers a wide variety of different titles and mediums. Our full show notes for each week's topic will be posted here, so for the additional information or guest details, be sure to check the site out. Our next topic is going to be an exploration into the lore book Revelation. That being said, however, we still want to hear your thoughts about this week's topic. Be sure to weigh in over on Discord, and don't be shy in tagging any of the team in on the conversation. We can't wait to read what your thoughts are. But for now, let's get back to the show. I don't know. How how would you like us? I do have a map this week. I know uh, the vampirism week we didn't have... I didn't really have a map for the last week. But this week yeah. I did put together a map, I think... I think I'm I'm a big fan of this new format, um, and I think it makes it a little bit easier to read, um, especially with like the figures and the the different summary of entries. So I I really do want to hear what people's thoughts are on the mind maps, um, if it's actually helpful for you guys when when we're talking or just you know going back later and also looking at stuff as well. Um, but Green, I don't. I, I guess my question back to you is, uh, where would, where would we, where would be a good place to kind of dive into like the cocktail knowledge type thing? Well, do we want to go through a, a full list? Of... <laughs> do we want to go through the full I list mean, of people? I think there are primary figures in the story that I think should be mentioned at first, and then we can we can put the supporting characters in there as well. But. Um, I think the biggest primary person that is kind of our go-to through a lot of this book is David, the good man. Mm-hmm. He he has a pretty big role to play in it. Um, he's an ethicist. Yes. And he, he, which apparently is an individual who has sworn to do no harm to any living thing and who is explicitly aware of right versus wrong. In his own words, he studies human morality, rendering it elegant and explicit and complete so that we can explain ourselves to the new life we meet. So he's kind of a, how would you put it, as far as him being on Titan? He's kind of the liaison Well, type so character. what he does is, as an ethicist, he, he why he is on Titan, because the new Pacific Arcology is in the process of trying to create, or they're in the process of creating what's called, what's referred to as a borehole. Uh, and what they are doing, and this kind of requires an understanding of Titan just a little bit, because Titan is a very interesting moon uh it's and so i'm going to jump ahead just a little bit if you don't mind green uh so kraken mare is actually a an actual thing uh it's the largest known body of liquid on titan uh and it was discovered actually uh pretty recently by the cassini space probe and it's it's noted as being a sea of hydrocarbon that is larger than the caspian sea here on earth which is a pretty i mean that's a pretty significant statement uh we actually do have a proposed mission uh, called the t- it's referred to as the TSSM. It's the Titan Saturn System mission, uh, which are which contains plans. We're going to try to launch a probe into the sea for further analysis of composition, depth, as well as other properties. Uh, one of the big things about Titan is that it is theorized that Titan actually has two levels, uh, two oceans. There is something that is below the the 
external ocean of Titan uh, that is referred to as the it's it's almost they assume that it is a much more more akin to water as we kind of think of it um, and that's arguably what the new Pacific group is trying to I think figure out we don't really know what they're and that's actually a question that I had to talk about later is what exactly are is this borehole trying to figure out but one of the things that is theorized is that there could be life underneath in that second ocean uh and so david or the good man uh is actually kind of i get the feeling that ethicists are kind of at all these different types of posts just in case we encounter new life um we do find out kind of a spoiler we find out that this is taking place well after vex have been discovered uh Mm -hmm. so they know that there is life outside of human or humanity uh not mention also the traveler shows up so you know there's that there's there's alien life present they know about alien life uh so ethicists are basically they are individuals who have sworn to do no harm uh, who are explicitly aware of what is right and what is wrong from a moral standpoint um, and who follow that very rigorously. Uh, and so he is there literally in case they... F- I, my my kind of... I guess my headcanon, I don't really know. I kind of took it as he's there in case they find something in that borehole that then he can explain and help... And help uh, facilitate that first contact between our species and this new species. Good. I'm trying to think of how to transition through. Well, so the next uh, person, I think you're highlighting them. Uh, a yeah. good segue is David actually was, and David makes a statement actually in the book. He's like, well, I haven't always been the good man. And that is actually including uh, his past is a relationship with the troubleshooter from Soul Soul Sex Scent, uh, which is Crown Six or Morgan Two. Uh, this is a female EXO. Uh, we don't know how old she is. It's kind of called out. We don't even know. I, I I read this. There was a there was a mention that we don't know the gender of her human component, which mm-hmm. was a very interesting um, call out in there i i was kind of intrigued if anyone else had read it that way um because she is definitely a female exo uh and they were she was in a formal relationship with david uh we don't know the nature like the the actual nature of the relationship we do know that it was a an intimate relationship uh we don't know if it was romantic or if it was just friendship it, it kind of seems like it was romantic um but she was sent. At least, she, I mean, there was a kind of heated emotions back and forth yes, between David. Yeah, and, and Morgan. Uh, uh, what's her face? Uh, Mia makes a comment mm-hmm. that it definitely seems like it was. Uh, there, there was definitely they definitely knew each other, and it was definitely something that was more than just acquaintances slash friends. It was. It definitely seems like there was something going on. Um, I, I just I remember Mia. I think is the one that makes a comment that like she there's no gender pronouns used. Uh, between the two of them, I think is what she mm-hmm. made a comment about. I just, I, it, for me, that was like that. I'm like, that's a really interesting thing to to call out, especially because there's no problem with the gender now that she's an EXO. Anyways, right. um, 
Morgan was sent to Titan on a mission to recover information from Shanice Pell, who is a very important figure. We're going to come back to her in just a second. Um, so she has been sent on a mission by Solsec. Uh, Solsec sent uh, as member of what's referred to as the Transhuman Infantry to retrieve information from Shanice Pell's lab. Uh, she has been given the authority of an AI comm operative. Uh, this is after the system has been put into a state of the Kahar White emergency. Uh, and basically the meaning of that is that, and we'll get into this just a little bit later as well for the what that means for Rasputin, but for Morgan, what that sta- what that means is that she is fully authorized to use force when and where she sees fit, uh, which is very big, a very big deal for New Pacific because New Pacific is a borderline pacifist community. Uh, it is called out that in when Morgan first shows up that she is the first sign of violence in the f- in fifty years, um, and so that's I mean that's that is pretty impressive like i mean if you think about it because we know that new pacific uh did not get along with clovis bray and also kind of seemed to have a spat with ishtar but even inside of all that they did not resort to violence which was i thought that was really cool and that actually ties into something that seth himself said about uh revelation that i can i can refer to later as well um you should. Talk, I mean, we should segue into Mia since you mentioned Mia okay. a little bit. There's not a whole lot of extra information about Mia. Um, Mia is the New Pacific Systems and Facilities Administrator. She has been noted as being over 200 years old. The other thing is that she also helps uh, another character, Shanice, escape or try to escape, essentially, because apparently Shanice is a very important person and trying to get her out of there before anyone can get a hold of research yeah and i would i would interject that mia wants to get shanice out not because of any knowledge of why she's important but simply because she doesn't agree with the strong arming that morgan is implementing she has no idea what is being sought Actually, she calls that out. She's like, I have no idea what this data is or why this is so important. But she doesn't She doesn't agree with censorship of data. Um, and that is actually the reason she helps Shanice. Nice. So Shanice is a New Pacific researcher, female, mother to two daughters, wife of missing individual, possibly David Pell from the K-1 team, which is... That's going into Re- Revelations, and next week there are two Pels on yes. that team. There is um, uh, David and um, uh, Helsha. Uh, there are two Pels. Uh, and so, Shani, or yeah, sorry. No, we're good. <laughs> That's, uh, this is we're, the source of a lot of my research on these two books, yeah. actually. Uh, the connection between Krakenmare and K1 is is very much seems to be centered around the Pels. Um, which the more I think about it, the more I kind of start seeing them as the Robinsons from Lost in Space. But um, it's just, I don't know why my head goes there. But she, uh, it is called out in the entry for the Lost Pacific that she is the mother of two daughters um, and that 
there is a individual who has gone missing and that's where the kind of potential connection I think that you mentioned green so I'll just shut up and let you continue uh, the connection with as far as Morgan and everything or wait yeah, I'm sorry yeah. sorry I, I jumped in and I apologize I don't no you're you are good the reference by Morgan to following Pell's death that they informed uh, that the information they were trying to silence came from within something within something dangerous also points to the device constructed on the moon to contain the anomaly found by the k1 team so that's i mean there's that kind of tie-in together with morgan and shanice and everything going on there um shanice was wasn't she in charge of the team that was getting ready to dive even further into Mm. titan's depths no she was actually responsible for the team that was doing the deep space probe that found uh. that found the anomaly. Uh, so Shanice actually had nothing to do. So New Pacific kind of is a New Pacific was a revolution against Clovis Bray. Um, they viewed Clovis Bray as heavy-handed and kind of it seems like a little bit too strict. Uh, and so Shanice Pell was responsible for her lab and her team. I think she had three or four people on her team. Um, I can't remember exactly, but her lab was responsible for a deep space probe that was exploring a anomaly that had been discovered, uh, which was the which was the connection between her and David Pell and uh, Hell Chappelle. Uh, so the connection between Kraken Mare and K1, which is talked about in Revelation, and then also the journal from the collector's edition is really centered around Shanice Pell's um, actual research, not actually Shanice. Though the connection there is that the catalyst for Shanice being so obsessed with this anomaly, this deep space thing, is because of the missing individual. Um, which kind of points back to the k1 situation uh mm-hmm. mia <clears throat> mia is the administrator for the whole new pack thing uh but the team that's actually can that the team that's responsible for the dive is uh ziana mari um ziana and mari i think are actually the two f- major figures ishmael is uh another character that is really kind of like a almost an assistant to mia um, but those are the four that really interact with the borehole. Uh, Shanice is actually Shanice is actually a minor figure in this book. Um, yeah, she she basically is killed. That's all you really get of her. Yes. Spoiler alert. Yeah, and and that's also where I mean that ultimately that is where Rasputin comes in too. Um, mm-hmm. And we see that the reason why, and this is this is the kind of the, the, the trauma that happened, or one of the bigger traumas uh, that happens near the end of the book is uh, they basically manage to smuggle her out. They get her uh, free from Morgan, and Rasputin's like, nope, and just basically shoots a shuttle full of individuals. Uh, he he kills an entire shuttle. Uh, because and david actually this is where david comes in because david has a very good uh level of familiarity with the the morality programming of the war mind and he explains he explains that the only way rasputin could do that the only way that rasputin could be able to justify killing that many innocent people was that if it existed within the twilight exigent moral territory that is due to the Kari white emergency 
and the Kari White emergency is what is the response to the impending collapse because we also know that the Traveler is leaving Io for Earth, um, which we'll, I'll also come back. There's a little trivia point there that was really I, I found out that was kind of cool. But David points out that if if Rasputin has found it capable or found itself capable of doing that attack, then they're in they're in serious danger because the only way that Rasputin can justify the loss of life in that nature is because he has already said, uh, I think Twilight Exigent is described as he's not trying to save, he's trying to minimize the death. So these all all individuals for the most part are already considered dead and so now it's a matter of how many can how many how can he minimize the number of people killed not how many can he save uh which is a really scary flip on logic uh from the perception of humanity because it's no longer the war mind's not protecting him anymore from their point of view he's trying to protect the species which does not include the individuals if that makes sense aka stay where you're put stay stay where you are don't 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 leave the don't leave the yeah. pen stay where yeah. you're dino on. dino and wicked it's combat triage and it's <laughs> dino's like if you're not actively in my protection you are already dead and that is really pretty accurate to rasputin's uh twilight exigent territory is you're considered dead unless you get into unless you follow you know certain parameters and are under his actual protection which then he can reasonably protect you but even then it's probably if push comes to shove not going to be a big deal for him he's not going to lose any issue he's not going to have any computing issues with sacrificing groups of people which is exactly what we see here like, would you possibly consider this like a mercy kill, where the people are trying in Rasputin's to- men- yeah in Rasputin's mentality the 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 cost that it, it the cost is less. I don't know how I'm going to say this. Yes, okay. Basically, he 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 considers them already dead. Yeah. So he's just expediting the process, um, and well, the reason is he. Is he expediting the process, or is he literally just holding them to the planet, or holding them to Titan so they don't no, leave? No, he's expediting like, the process. He's he's basically making sure that the data from Shanice Pell's lab does not get out. He is containing a threat. Which, what is the data? That's the million dollar question. I have theories on what the data is, but we don't we don't get confirmation on what the data is. Um, I would argue that this is also a connection to K1, which we'll talk about, you know, next week, definitely. Um, and the, and we see, we see, so K1, we, we're introduced to a figure. I, I, I want to talk about it because it's, it's so connected to this particular situation. Um, the response that Firewall has to this situation on K1 is basically what Rasputin's response here is. Um, he, they are trying to protect humanity, which tells you that in the big picture that they are calculating off of, the price of one shuttle of innocent civilians is far less than letting that data get out. Which is really scary. Because 
what is and that's the million that i mean that is the million dollar question is what is that data what is this anomaly that they have been exploring what is this situation what is this anomaly that is on the moon where is it connected um the connection for me exists with the pels um mm-hmm. to me that and and the reason why that that exists is because the only reason pell is on new pacific is to research this deep space anomaly. The only reason she cares about the deep space anomaly is because the her, who she refers to as her darling is missing, and she thinks that he or she is in is related. The information of where they are located is related to what she can find out about the anomaly. She calls that out explicitly within the Lost Pacific entry, and she says that she's hoping to find an answer to the question so that she can tell her two daughters what happened and so that is where the connection then draws you can draw a connection back there to the k1 team where you have two people who share her last name and who vanish we don't know what happened to them i mean the thing that happened on back at k1 which i know we're talking about next week primarily with the essentially the madness spreading and the the, yeah, and there's the, there's dive. so many connections. It's, there's so many theories that I have for that as well. Yeah. Oh my gosh! But there, it, the thing that is happening on Titan is nothing. It's not similar at all yet. to what happened with K one. Yet, yet, obviously, but, but see, they haven't gotten to that point. Right. But here's the thing. So, and this is why I argue that K one happened well before Kraken Mare, which means that K one did not happen during the collapse, because what happens in K one is documented by Firewall. Firewall then connects to Rasputin and uploads the data, which we have records of that happening. Rasputin has the information of what happens when people come into communication with this anomaly. What is this team doing? They're trying to get in communication with an anomaly. They actually did get in communication with the anomaly, and now they are trying to escape and take that level of information out to the general public. So if you look at the deterioration of what happened on K1 in the span of a very short manner of time once they got exposed to it, what Rasputin is doing is literally sacrificing what is probably viewed as infected individuals to prevent the spread of a, um, what would be the best word, a, a disease of unknown nature. So he is quarantining people to in order to prevent the spread of a threat because he's already got a big threat with the Kari White emergency with the Traveler running back to Earth because of an unknown attack coming. Then they have this threat coming from the deep space anomaly. Now, the the question, one of the big questions that I still have is, we don't know that they are actually connected. The only thing that we know is that they are two anomalies. And it's, which begs... The deep deep space anomaly and the... The anomaly in K one both sound like pyramid ships. If you're going to go with like well, knee jerk reaction in some respects, yeah, as a knee jerk reaction, yes. The more you dig into it, though, I really don't know if I agree with that. Um, because there, there's also this the the shrine of orcs, which is used as a communication device. There's whispering spheres, which we have within D one and D two. Um, there's a few. There's a few connections that also do things there's the black heart of the garden which is also another thing that needs to be taken into consideration um but the thing about 
the, the, the other connection here is that we do know that whatever it was that was in K1, similar to the situation here with uh, Lost, or, uh, New Pacific, is that it was communicating. Uh, and, I'll, and I definitely have an explanation for that next week uh, because I actually went down a really random rabbit hole trying to figure out what they were talking about. Uh, and I actually kind of inadvertently figured it out for the most part, it was actually really weird. Um, but there is, there is proof that there is communication going on with a deep space entity. So there is a connection here that, Oh, Hey, look, there's a deep space anomaly and we send a probe out and it's communicating. Okay. There's, there's a number of checks that are getting, or a number of boxes that are getting checked that match those two up. And then on top of that, we have the fact that Clovis Bray is involved and Clovis Bray confiscated the anomaly on K1 and stored it for research within a device designed by Rasputin. So Rasputin has access to a vast amount of data that we as as both readers and these researchers do not have. So the fact that he's responding as as quickly and as ruthlessly as he is makes you also start drawing connections there too. This is sorry. one heck of an introduction. Sorry, episode, sorry, so. I'm it's, so sorry. Um, I my my brain like I start talking and this is like that and I and I I mean my problem is is that this book I'm, I'm dead serious. This book should be read in right after Revelation, in my opinion. Like the connections are just really glaring for me. Uh, if you have access to the collector's edition journal from. Uh, Shadowkeep. I would also recommend strongly reading that. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of information that clarifies what is in Revelation and puts flavor on that, which then puts flavor on this reading. Um, it's just the, these these I guess three books really in my brain are connected very strongly. Um, and that's just, I mean, and, and the thing that boggles my mind is that is all just about this one minor character. Like, that's not even actually the big story that's going on in Crack America, which I feel bad because the actual story of what's going on in Crack America is also really interesting, um, mm-hmm. which I will stop talking about the connection to K1 and let you talk <laughs> about that. Uh, I don't even know how to begin that at this point, to be honest. Um because at that point I kind of want to dive into the cards themselves, not reading Mm -hmm. the cards, but like walking through them. And we have that in the advanced episode. The story is um, pretty, I don't know. There's some basic aspects of it. Mm -hmm. There's also some deeper aspects, as you can tell with blue Uh, basic aspect. The, there is the alert that happens and they have to evacuate citizens first. And then Morgan shows up and is basically like, you aren't going anywhere, I need to find this person kind of thing. And um, Mia smuggles, uh, I always want to call her Shirazi, uh, Shanice. <laughs> it is not Shirazi, that no, would be a yeah, totally but, weird story oh at that point if that one showed up. Um, Shanice smuggles Shanice onto one of the evacuation ships and Rasputin is like nope shoots it out of the sky and then there's aspects with David going on at the same time and I don't know smile pods 
What's, yeah. What are smile pods? No, that's actually a question I had while I was reading it because they talk about shipping the civilian. They, uh, Mia refers to, oh, we have so many people. So we have confirmation of how many people are on New Pacific during this time. It's uh, roughly 2.9 million people. Uh, mm-hmm. And there are so many people that have to evacuate that they have to they have to stack them like sardines, I believe is the phrase, in smile pods. Yes. Uh, smile pods are literally cold sleep containers that are used mostly for shipping freight and food stuff. So they are literally packing people into shipping containers and then putting them on ships to try to get them off the planet. Um, so basically the the picture in my head, uh, if this helps anybody, is, you know, the shipping containers that are on uh, big ships, the big... Uh, they look like pods, the the moving box, the moving things. Mm-hmm. They basically have those that they're shoving people into, and then they're putting them into cryo sleep, basically. So they're they're cryo stacking people, or they're freezing people, stacking them so that they're not stressed out. Um, and the other, the, this was the other thing that uh, was really cool is reading this. There is a call out that. There was no jostling. There was no one that was like, well, I'm really important. I need to get to the head of the line. Uh, it was it was specifically called out in, in that entry that there was none of that because everyone knew what to expect. Like, everyone was really just like, um, I have my ticket, I have my number, and I will get, like, they will get to me when they get to me. And if I agree, if I don't make a scene, it, they will get to me quicker. Uh, which was really cool to read because if you know anything about humanity, <laughs> emergencies don't just usually go that panic. way. <laughs> yeah, they, it's not usually calm during an emergency. Well, okay, the fact that the mayday signal goes out and says that there's the tidal the tidal waves coming essentially, mm-hmm. the tidal bulge of forty meters and four hundred. I mean, 400% of the ordinary tidal deformation and growing. Like, there's mayday signals going out. Those people are not going to stay still. So I wonder if this... Well, no, 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 but... Oh, sorry, go for it. So so I'm wondering if if partially their their lack of immediate panic has to do with, you know, the the extended life that's been provided to them throughout the Golden Age is that the growth of their knowledge is, is like they're just more mentally mature than what we typically would. So they understand that panicking is not going to do any good in this situation. Also, I mean, there's 2.9 million souls on Titan, on the new Pacific Mm -hmm. area. The, the way if you're walking through Titan, the way that um, I can't think of his name, the the announcer essentially the the speaker guy who if you're walking through a certain zone you hear welcome to Lost mm-hmm. Pacific I mean he's it's the always AI. very mm-hmm. the AI he's always very um, there's no major attack thing he's very placid I guess in some respects mm-hmm. he's very relaxed in his speech and it I don't know. I'm trying to think. There's a movie that's coming to mind, but I cannot reach for the actual title of it, where the characters are all on this this very soft-spoken, relaxed area, but a lot of them are getting filtered off to die at a certain age. But it's a utopia. Mm, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Utopians. Mm-hmm. They, always, they always have something. I mean, they always do, but... 
on New Pacific, New Pacifica. It could very well be the age. It could also be the fact that they've they've lived as researchers and whatnot there, and it's a almost a pacifist colony at this point in some respects. Because it is, um, but also, and uh, I think it was Wicked had said it in chat. Um, they had been running multiple drills, right? So, like they they kind of knew they knew what to be expected. I'm trying to find the thing that like they call it out and it's just like it's one of those things where it's just like i, I just i it's found like it really fun, it's, interesting it's like a tornado drill to them like, do you remember tornado it, drills as yeah, a oh kid? yeah oh yeah oh yeah yeah absolutely so, so where where i live that was like a monthly drill for us in elementary <laughs> school <laughs> and yeah yes. when when an oh, act, here it is. actual here it is. warning comes up well, we never act that calm like we do in drill well, that's I that's have... what she's she says. I think it's uh, the tenth avatar. She says, "Mia flicks through camera feed statistics, telemetry, and watching over the evacuation effort. Not so long ago, a few million frightened people would have been an administrator's worst nightmare. Not these days. Titan's citizens have grown up with game theory and applied community ethics. It's as unthinkable to beg for a priority evacuation as it would be to ask for an old man's seat on the tram." The families of rig workers and shipping tycoons wait side by side for their tickets to be called, for their bodies to be processed into cold sleep, smile pods, and loaded by the thousands, all equally silent, equally delicate, equally helpless. Uh, Mia gets a chill. She doesn't know why she's so certain that it's over now, this calm, enlightened goodness, this collective decency. But she is. I want to talk about the game theory in the advanced episode. Okay. Just kind of a FYI especially since you and I are both reading that book. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway. I don't know if there's much else I want to go over as far as the basic story-wise without diving too deep into things. I mean, the story that happened with um, Rasputin cutting down the evacuation ship and then the group with the Mayday call and everything and how they're reacting to it and how they are adjusting to what they need to. I think the story at the end with the buoyancy tanks and uh, the swarmers with Mm -hmm. trying to get down, that is a really interesting story. I don't know if I could give it justice as far as describing it concisely. (laughs) Yeah. So if either of you want to give that one a shot, go for it. Well, um, I mean, it's very stereotypical for a diver uh, who deals with uh, that type of stuff, I think. I think all the divers that I've known and talked to, they kind of have the same attitude with with the animals that they interact with, when especially if they're doing, like, work and stuff. Um, you know, it's kind of like a... It would be like talking to a person who does... Uh, I guess the closest that I can think of off the top of my head is a canine tr- or a canine unit in the the police force. It'd be like talking to one of them about their dog. Like, you know, it's there's a there's a very strong connection between Mari and the swarmers and also the dolphins. Uh which is a I th- I want to say the dolphins were a different entity that he was talking about, but worthy, I don't know if you had 
something else to there. No, that, that's pretty much it. Was was he was going down to um, release the swarmers, um, and I, I I was thinking of it as something similar to the the dog trainers of just letting um, the creatures they interact with on a daily basis, letting them loose so they have the potential to survive. Yeah, so it'd be like so going back green. You you said like tornado warnings. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, growing up on a ranch. Um, you know, it would be like if you knew that an F five was coming, some right, some you ranchers you want some of the ranchers that I know would literally just let the let their animals out. Like they're yeah. not gonna pin them, they're not gonna because there's at that point it's literally if you can make it, go for it. Like, you know, it's it's giving them a chance instead of corralling them and just letting them wait to right. die. Is kind of the way in my brain I was kind of taking it. Or you could do what Rasputin does and let them run away and then just shoot them down. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's that's also that's also an option there. Um but yeah, cuz like more that's kind of what I was kind of he was just he's like everything's going to hell in a handbasket and these guys deserve at least a chance. Yeah. Is the kind of the thing that I got from it. I think one of the most interesting little lines in here in the very last card is the Exo's laser blinks code. (laughs) God go with you, you blank. Go with God, you poor. Yeah, I like the I like the fact that the Exo's like, nope, not going to happen. Well, then, of course, the next scene is every the uh, part of the building essentially collapses into the sea. Well, it's the The entire ecology. The tanker mm-hmm. hits, I think, what was it? Uh, uh, Dome 2. Dome 2 yeah. or something? Well, like, the, the tanker was under, essentially under the arcology, like partially, and then the arcology collapses down onto the ship, into the sea. It pins Oh, up. yeah, because it's a supercarrier, and it, it mm-hmm. slams up into Dome 2, and then everything just kind of goes, mwap, and falls back down. Which you can yeah. still see the archaeology oh. tipped up on its side slightly. Chat, and then they die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No I love happy the last, there. the last line. I love the last... Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, that is... The perfect cliffhanger. Perfect, perfect ending right there. There is, well, like, one curious line right before that. Then he blinks past the devastation and recognizes the sheer scale. Is that... Okay. And Destiny. Yeah, are you... <laughs> is that Blink as in the technology of Blink? Of what hunters and warlocks can do? Or at hunters least hunters one. used to be yeah. able to do? Um, but, or is that a metaphoric, he blinks past the devastation? He's like I read blinking, it as a blinking, metaphoric. I, I, read, I read it as like he was flying so fast that, you know, he kind of like... Yeah, I mean, I can see, I can see what you're saying. I kind of read it as the metaphorical, like he's he's trying to, he's trying so to get there so fast, but he right. just it's you know kind of a because it then says recognizes the sheer scale, the utter speed, the complete mm-hmm. imminence of that unthinkable methane wave. You know, it's yeah, I, I read that as he was moving so fast that it just was a okay. blink. Just good to clarify because some people may interpret it other ways. Yeah, Mari, Mari, Mari has a really kind of nice little thing right there too, because his uh, his suit is really actually really cool. Yeah. Goes from being a scuba suit to a a, a wing they, suit. Uh, the, 
the wingsuit, yeah. the flying squirrel suit. Yeah. Well, like that that gets us a little bit more knowledge. And on like, Titan. but it's like, yeah. But he also did like he also. Am I reading like he gets out of the water and he like flaps? Yep. He like actually flies, which is like I was like, what is going on? It's like the flying fish. Right, no, yeah. I know exactly what he's using. Like, he's using the flying fish, like, technology, or, like, the aspect that the flying fish uses. Is that, like, the squirrel suits? It is, like, the squirrel suits, except for, um, when he's fly, he's not really flying, it's like Icarus meets fish. Mm. Like, if Icarus Uh, didn't fly too high. Right. (laughs) If Icarus didn't fly too, well, yeah, he flew too low on this situation. I know. But, like, in this situation, the suit is designed to fly too low. It's the diving in and out of the water and using the um, the propulsion to glide over it instead of having to force yourself through the well, water. Well, it doesn't right. Titan's atmosphere. Isn't it a little bit more dense? And so he would be able yeah, to propel I himself think the, up the easier. The liquid. Yeah, the liquid is denser. So okay. I'm trying to remember. Titan air is yeah. It says Titan air is thick and Titan air Titan gravity is light, and like a mm-hmm. huge bat, he can fly. Mm-hmm. Wicked's gonna go break <laughs> spin foil. But yeah, so forgive me for my derailing the chat about Titan to talk about the anomaly, which we'll talk again. Next <laughs> which we'll week talk about. about for the next three weeks. <laughs> It's all good. It, it's definitely opened up a lot more uh, than than what I had originally anticipated with this book. So it, it's going to put me down a oh, rabbit yeah. hole. I'm excited about it. Oh gosh, like mm-hmm. this this one, like my oh, my brain just broke. <laughs> I was doing like because because originally I did I started doing notes for this one and I was like okay like I I got into like the whole you know the the sim, the symbolism of uh, the names that we'll talk about in the next episode. And like, okay, yeah, they're flood, you know, the the creation myths and, you know, the name of the cards themselves or the entities themselves have their own significance, which is really cool. And then I was like, all right, cool, cool. And I got it. And then I got to the card with Pell and I was like, hang on, wait. So then I jumped over to uh, Ishtar because I, because Pell, Pell is um, her entire, Pellman. her entire thing is actually detailed out. Uh, a little bit on the law specific armor set so we actually have heard from pell well before right now she was actually we she was a name that we got back at the start of d2 um and so and and we always knew that pell was researching something and i think from the beginning we knew that it was a deep space anomaly uh so it was always something there now now we have more clues with Pell. And then I started reading Revelation, and then I was like, oh, no. Because <laughs> Pell got was brought... That night and blue da- was up until 3 a.m. David Pell gets brought... Oh, that was because of the timestamps. Yeah, that was that was a, its own journey uh-huh. through hell. Um, I just love how I still get messages from you at 3 a.m. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what happens when you don't sleep. Um, but uh, David Pell has got a really big place, or big thing to play in the K1 story because of his discovery from the anomaly. And so there's like this huge different thing. There's two big names going through, um, you know, and then there's, there's hints that Pell is researching, you know, the anomaly. There's, there's, uh, I believe it's one of the technicians that was associated with Pell that was, re, uh, that was, um, 
I'm trying to remember the dia- the the line. I think it's something about the seismic activity of Titan itself. And so, like you know, there's research going all over the place. And so it's like it's just it's I'm like, what is going on with this family, this group, or whatever? Um, but yeah. Should we close out the introduction episode? Yes. I think that would be a good idea. Okay, so shout outs. Worthy, do you have any? Yeah, shout-outs? yeah. Um, I want to shout out my clan real quick, uh, DODPC. And um, they've been getting to hang out with us a little bit in chat. Um, and then I also want to shout out you guys. Thanks for having me on. Um, between FFC and, and DOD, they've kept me, uh, they've kept my head straight uh, this past year just with some interesting work um, situations. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Shout out to DOD, who I, I I don't know if it's the same subgroup of DOD, because DOD is a slightly larger mm-hmm. group than a lot of uh, typical clans. There was a, a set of DOD guys that I ended up playing Crucible against. And we played, I think, two matches against each other. And I... My team, I was a, I was a blueberry. I was running solo. I got my butt handed to me both times as far as like us losing but I'm sure as heck made their lives a little <laughs> miserable with my bow and I got a shout out from one of them on uh, on nice. Twitter so it's a it's a little little bit of a shout out to those guys on the uh, nice sportsmanship and like the 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 well well wishes of competitive cooperative competitiveness without letting it ruin your night. Nice. A novel concept. So shout out to uh, the spirit of competition without getting angry. Ninja. <laughs> anyway, blue. Wow. You think this is a game? Um, no, shout out to uh, Seth for this this week's book. Like He did an amazing job with this one and then also with uh, the collector's edition. I wanted, I think that he also had a big part to play in revel revelation i want to say too but i can't remember if he was connected to that one i would assume so since it's all kind of connected but um but definitely for for uh kraken mauer you did really good job on that i really enjoyed reading it um but yeah that's all i got for that and you know as as it has become customary to say thank you for your time And until next time, remember, with wisdom we conquer, stand strong, stand tall, and keep exploring. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusedfirechat. Links to all our episode archives can be found at www.thelorenetwork.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments and or questions for the team concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.